Hi everyone, welcome back to Medics Money Triage. Matthew here again, breaking down the fierce and bigger concepts of the podcast and squashing them down into this show. Now, it's been a busy week on the good ship Medics Money, which is finishing up the final session of our third cohort of the Medics Money New Departure course, and Ed's been busy generating a ton of content for us. Every now and then, Tommy and Ed like to collate questions that we get across our YouTube channel, definitely subscribe by the way, email inbox, and then put them into one big podcast and answer them. So in this triage, we're gonna cover two questions. Firstly, how does payment on account work? Secondly, do we invest in gold? So the following clips are taken from episode 148 of the main podcast, entitled, Is Gold an Investment? Avoiding Classic Tax Mistakes and the Truth About Corporation Tax Rises. And this originally aired on March the 14th, 2023. Now, I'm not gonna include anything about the corporation tax rises because where possible, I need to try and avoid covering things uh, specific to changes in rates because it's so variable. The chances are it's already out of date, so I just think it's, to minimise the risk, I'm just going to avoid it for now. As always, I'd encourage you to check out the full episode wherever you get your podcasts. So let's get started with the first clip on payment on accounts. Self-assessment season has just passed. Filing deadline was 31st of January. What yeah. date did you file yours on, by the way? So I filed it on the night of the 30th, and I paid my tax on the 31st. So maybe cutting it a little bit fine, but <laughs> in the deadline, that's the main thing. You filed earlier this year, hey? But yeah, actually, in fairness, I filed earlier than last year, which was exactly on the 31st. I did my dad's tax return, you know, four days early. So that was good. He was pleased. It's not recommended behavior. Obviously, you have a unique skill set in that you are an accountant as well. You file your own, but please do not leave it that late to file. I know that's <laughs> yeah, doctor's will. Yeah. We always leave everything to the last minute, but... Yeah, don't follow my example. Yeah, don't follow his example. Question one was from a YouTube video we did for Locum GP. So actually, I think about self-assessment, actually. It says, great talk and very informative. Thanks. I'm a full-time Locum GP self-employed, I wonder what does payment on account mean? I was looking for some advice about it. And what I know is that it's 5,000 pounds, sorry, we need to pay yearly on top of tax, pensions and NI question marks. Thank you. Over to you, mate. Yeah, thanks so much for the question. And I'm really glad that you enjoyed the talk. So the payment on account system is basically the way in which HMRC collect taxation for individuals who have less than 80% of their income collected at source. So for a lot of doctors, for example, their income tax will be collected at source via their payslips. So they're unlikely to have to worry at all about this payment on account system. But if you're self-employed, a partner, if you've got significant rental income or significant dividend income or anything where the government can't get their money straight away off you, you know, this is where the payment on account system will come into play. Okay, so if you take, for example, someone who's self-employed, like a GP locum, but it could be anyone who's self-employed, you'll earn a taxable profit. Tax will not be collected at source on that taxable profit. So you're going to fall into this payment on account scheme. And that basically means that HMRC will think to themselves, we don't want to keep waiting till every January to collect our tax from you. We want you to start paying some money in advance so we can collect your tax a bit early. Okay, so... The first year in which you locum or the first year in which you have significant rental income or significant dividends or whatever reason it is that you fall into the payment on account system. The first tax year, nothing much kind of changes really. You go up to the 5th of April and then you pay your tax on the 31st of January the following year. Okay. Now at this point, HMRC will say, okay, we now know how much tax you owe for that tax year. Thank you very much. We don't want to wait a whole year until January for more money from you. So we're going to charge you up front some of that tax that you're going to owe next year. 
okay? Now they have no idea how much tax you're gonna be paying in a year's time, nobody does. You may have some inkling, maybe you know that your profit's gonna go up or down, whatever, but most people have no idea and HMRC are just the same. So what they say is they pretend that the following year you're gonna have exactly the same tax bill. And what they then say is, thank you very much, Dr. Vlogs, you paid us X amount of money this January, we're going to ask you for a payment in advance for the following January, and that's going to be 50% of your current tax bill. And then in July, you pay another 50%. So that by July, you'd have paid a whole amount, that tax that was due in January, you'll be paying that all over again, half in January, half in July. And when it does get to finally to that year, next year, they'll deduct the amounts you paid against your actual tax bill. Okay, so as an example, if you did have you know, taxable profits that led to a tax bill in January, of £5,000, then uh, what the HMRC will say is, okay, we're going to pretend that next January you'll be filing your tax return and have again £5,000 in tax to pay. So we want 50% this January and 50% in July. So you pay your £5,000 in January and then 50% on top of that, so 2500 again in January. So your tax bill is actually 7500 not the 5000 that you actually owe. And then in July, you'll pay another 2,500. So you'll basically paid 5,000 pounds in advance of the following January. So just to say, that's how the payment on account system works, okay? And then, you know, so that's what it's doing. Just to say, so it's not a case of, you know, a fixed 5,000 pounds that you pay yearly on top of your tax pensions NI. It's a way that HMRC get you to pay your tax for the next year in advance, which could be any amount, okay? So if your tax bill, is 1,000 pounds, they'll ask you for 500 pounds on top of what you pay, and then 500 pounds in July. Okay, so it's not a fixed amount, it's based on your tax bill in that January. Hopefully that makes some sense. All right, next clip. So you can invest in multiple different types of assets, from equities to property. But what question we actually got asked was Tommy and Ed's views on ETFs, or exchange traded funds. Um, what are these, you ask? Well, let's hear. And there's even a little bit of tax trivia in there, which of course I must promote at all times. Hard to answer without giving investment advice. And this is absolutely not investment advice. This is just my thoughts on the question. So gold ETFs or exchange traded funds, that's what ETF stands for, for those that aren't aware, can be a convenient and low cost way for you to invest in gold. So if we think about gold, there's a few ways that I can think of that you can buy gold. So you could buy physical gold, like gold bars, and the downside of that is that you have to store it, I assume in some kind of safe or vault, and also insure it, okay? So it's a bit of a hassle. You'd also have to pay tax on that gold as well, unless you niche tax knowledge. This could be tax trivia, mate, actually. I don't want to take your thunder, but if you buy gold sovereigns from the Royal Mint, they have a face value, and they are exempt from CGT and VAT, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. So because they're more sort of cash, which has no CGT or VAT on, as opposed to assets like gold bullion, for example, where you would have CGT and VAT. Nice. So bars has got gold bars has got CGT, VAT, but sovereigns from the Royal Mint, no CGT and VAT. So tax trivia, love it. So if you don't want to store gold by buying bars or coins, then that's where a gold exchange traded fund comes in. And just to remind you, a fund is something that allows you to invest in gold indirectly. 
and also another point is you could hold that gold exchange traded fund inside your tax efficient ISA wrapper, which we do talk about ISAs a bit. And again, for those that aren't aware, just to remind you, a fund is a collection of assets, in this case, gold, and you could just purchase a share of that fund and ETFs in particular trade ex almost exactly like shares. You can just buy a share of that ETF. So that's how you could buy gold. But neither of us hold any gold. And I want you to understand why we don't hold any gold so that you can make your own decisions about whether you should buy any gold. So why do some people invest in gold? Traditionally, gold is thought of as a way to diversify your portfolio and also a defensive asset and a store of value. And I think all or most investment portfolios could benefit from some defensive assets. So I'm going to explain those terms for those aren't aware. So a quick summary of diversification, like what is diversification? In short, it means don't put all your eggs in one basket, okay? If you spread out your investments across a wide range of investments, then if one goes down, the other goes up, overall, you're still winning. And if you're all overall still winning, whatever happens, you're in a good position. So I might use my little example of the ice cream company. So Let's imagine you're looking to invest and you want to invest in an ice cream company. Okay, so you've got three pounds to invest. You could put that whole three pounds into the ice cream company. And then if you have a good summer, then you're going to be doing great. Your three pounds is probably going to grow. Okay, but if you don't have a good summer and it's not sunny, people aren't going to want ice creams. So and then you've got to think, okay, if people don't want ice creams, how could I diversify and decrease my risk a bit? If it's not a good summer, maybe they'd want to buy umbrellas. Okay, so you could put some of your money into ice creams and some into umbrellas. And therefore, if it's a hot summer, ice creams will do well. You're sorted. If it's a rainy summer, umbrellas will do well. Happy days. But then you're like, okay, I need to diversify further. What if it's a cold summer? So you could think, okay, I'm going to put one pound into ice cream, one pound into umbrellas, and one pound into warm jumpers, okay? Therefore, you've diversified, you've spread your risk across ice creams, warm jumpers, and umbrellas. And therefore, whatever happens, pretty much, not guaranteed, obviously, but whatever happens, you're going to be winning, okay? And I think it's important when you are looking to diversify, what you're looking for is assets that are negatively correlated. And what I mean by that is when one goes up, the other goes down. So ice cream and umbrellas could be ne negatively correlated because if it's sunny, ice creams are going to go up and umbrellas are going to go down. So does that make sense, mate, as an explanation of diversification? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It does. Yeah. You're looking slightly more interested than when I talk about emergency funds. So I'm assuming that this is tickling your interest, so I'm going to carry on. So I think gold can fulfill that criteria as diversification because it's often thought of as a safe haven gold. So in general, not advice, but when inflation is high and therefore cash is losing its value like now, or there's global instability like now because, you know, there's a terrible conflict going on in Ukraine. In general, gold would do quite well in those situations and stocks, shares would not do so well. So you're thinking, hold on, why, why do these guys not hold any gold? Because I do not hold any gold. I know that you don't either. And the reason is we both have a very long investment horizon. We're relatively young in investment terms. We've probably got another 20 or 30 years of investing ahead of us. And we hold a well-diversified as I've just explained to you, low cost, but reasonably high risk portfolio. And by high risk, I mean, 
we hold only stocks. We don't hold any bonds. We don't hold any gold. We don't hold any crypto. So it's pretty much pure stocks. And the reason for that is that in general, investing, higher risk in general means a greater return. Okay, not always. You have to be careful, but in general. Okay. And so over the long term, equities or stocks will massively or have massively outperformed gold. Past performance is not indicated of future performance. Keep the regulators happy there. And also the other thing I don't like about gold and crypto is that it's what's called a non-productive asset. If I own a share in a company, it makes goods or services. And over time, that can compound. Okay. Gold doesn't really do anything. It's a non-productive asset. And so therefore, it doesn't compound over time and it cannot generate compound interest. And if you've listened to us enough now, you know that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Okay, so hopefully that explains a sort of coherent way why we don't hold any gold. But all of our financial situations are different. And the right investment portfolio for me or Ed might not be the right one for you. And I think one thing that's often overlooked, especially on the internet where everyone just seems to be holding the same portfolio, is the right portfolio for you is the one that you can live with, that you can stick with through thick and thin and that you are confident in. And when, not if, but when a crash comes, because that's the nature of investing, things go up as well as down. When a crash comes, you don't get scared and sell low and buy high. You just stick with it. Okay, so, you know, when inflation is rampant and someone's trying to start a war in they have started a war in Ukraine, having some gold in your portfolio, if that means that you don't get scared and your portfolio will be less volatile and more stable and that allows you to sleep at night and not panic, then gold might be right for you. Okay, so everyone's situation is different. Do your own research. Gold's not for me. Finally, and I don't think this gets talked about enough, but I think it's pretty relevant to doctors. And again, this is my opinion, not advice. But I think doctors and anyone with an NHS pension should think about investing a bit differently because the NHS pension gives you a state-backed, guaranteed, index-linked income for life in retirement, okay? That is a very defensive asset, okay? The most defensive asset out there, like way better than gold, okay? So given this kind of unique situation, why would we, with NHS pension, follow the same investment strategy as someone whose entire pension is riding on the stock market, okay? If my, and just to clarify, the NHS pension does not depend on stock market returns. It's a guaranteed index linked income for life. OK, so if my pension relied on the stock market, which my NHS pension does not, I would invest very differently to how I currently invest because I need to be invested way more defensive. I might own bonds. I might even own gold, right? Because my entire future is riding on that and I can't afford to take a high risk. But actually for us, you know, fortunate position to be in part of being a doctor is, you know, it's a part of our overall reward package. We have an NHS pension. And so my investment portfolio is pretty much a side pot. I have the guaranteed index linked income for life via my NHS pension. And then I've got my investment portfolio on the side, which is actually quite literally, I think, a get out of jail free card, get out of NHS jail early. And my plan is that will allow me to retire earlier than my NHS pension age, which if you're in the 2015 scheme, mostly like we are, then your NHS pension age is linked to state retirement age. So I don't know what you think about that, mate, about whether doctors should invest with a different mindset because we have this ultimately defensive asset. But what I would say is maybe a gold ETF is right for you. Do your own research. 
you know, get advice. It's a great question and I hope it helps. So one other thing to mention regarding gold is that it tends not to have any correlation with other equities. Now, research has shown that there is sometimes a very weakly negative or positive correlation, but there's no statistical significance basically means there's no correlation. Now, this is kind of good because when markets are in dire straits, such as recently with the kind of state of the world and the global economy, it means that when markets are suffering a little bit, gold tends to be relatively stable. So in general, if you were looking to invest in gold, you can do it directly or indirectly. Of course, it gets out saying this is not advice, but one would normally do it through a commodity unit trust or an open-ended investment company, which gives you an indirect investment of the commodity underlying. As always, take advice before making any investment decisions, and nothing that we say on these podcasts should ever be construed as advice. Okay, that's it from me. Thanks as always for tuning in. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention real quick that the applications for our next cohort of our GP partnership course are now open. So if you'd like to apply for that, head on over to menixmoney.co.uk forward slash GP course, and we'll get back to you in due course. Thanks for your support, and I hope you have a lovely weekend, and I'll catch up with you soon.